Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your host, Jamal Tanner. Welcome back to the MTO Podcast. It's your boy Jamal here with uh, your boy Nick as well. We got a special guest today. My boy Mike's here joining us, a.k.a. Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, what's going on, Mike? Hey, man, just living a life, man. Uh, trying to stay focused and uh, keep pushing uh, my culture forward. But thanks for having me. I appreciate y'all. Absolutely. Thanks Thanks for coming on with us. So uh, I know your album just dropped. Um, for those that don't know, he is a... He's definitely a rapper and doing his thing out there. Tell me a little bit more about the album. Oh, man, I just dropped uh, my newest album, Black Polar Bear, B-L-A-C-C, Polar Bear. It's on all streaming platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, Google Play, all that good stuff, Amazon. Um, and it's a it's a body of work that uh, I took a while to put together. But all in all, I feel like uh, I raised the bar for hip-hop here in the state of Alaska and out of Fairbanks. And uh, I've been getting great reviews, man. Tons of write-ups and um, landing on tons of platforms. And, you know, I'm just going to try to keep pushing the culture forward and uh, dropping some new videos here coming real soon. So, so. For sure. We're going to look out for that. Do you have a you have a favorite song on the album? Like a, like a favorite oh, project you did? Yeah, I do have. I think um, it might be on the album. I, I got a record called uh, Versace Frames. And I'm just okay. just talking about how, you know, I I see things a lot clearer now, you know what I mean, than before, you know what I okay. mean? I put these frames on, I see who, who's my real friends, who's my real family, who's the fake ones, who's laughing with me, who's laughing at me, you know what I mean? So I think yeah. that's probably my favorite song on the record. Okay, for sure. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out for sure. Yeah, featuring uh, Conway last Steve. question before we get in. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Last question before we uh, get on to some sports topics. Um, how'd you get your rap name? How'd you just go by Starbucks? How'd you get that? Oh, man, it was my, uh, I was in a rap group when I was in college in Oregon. And uh, my homeboy was like, man, you know, because Starbucks hadn't really been blowing up that hard. It had just started to land on every street corner. And he's like, man, I'm going to call you Starbucks, you know, because every time I see you on the corner hustling something, doing something, you know, my last name is Coffee, you know what I mean, C-O-F-E-Y. So that's just kind of how it came, and it just stuck with me, you know what I mean? And I got a little abbreviations for it and stuff like that. So, But it's worked out well for me. I ain't been sued yet, so. <laughs> yeah, you took that C off that. Yeah, I took the C off. Yeah, I took the C off. So it's S T A R B U K S. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a different thing when you take that letter off of yeah. there, for sure. So you you played uh, baseball, right? Yeah, pretty much your whole life. My whole life, man. Played college baseball. Uh, played for the Panthers. Um, yeah, I played ball my whole life. It's a big part of my life. Okay. Okay. So you know what? We're going to do something a little different. We were going to have a different topic. We're going to talk baseball first. I okay. know Nick is a big baseball guy. Um, so last week on the show, we were talking a little bit about the evolution of baseball and how uh, it's kind of went from a like put it in play type of thing to a home run or bust. Um, so uh, adding on to that, I kind of had a question for that. So because there was what two no hitters last weekend. Yeah. Has do you think the, the kind of the shine and the glitz and glamour of a no-hitter is kind of going away with the fact that we're changing the way we play baseball as a whole? Um, well, I guess you could say because I'm an old head. 
No, not essentially. Not to me, because to me, when you get into the big leagues, man, and you got guys that are making hundreds of millions of dollars, man, up front, cash up, and these guys are skilled. And then the guys that are on the mound, pitchers, most pitchers, a lot of years, top two, three guys in your rotation, throwing 100 miles an hour, man. And see, so baseball, you have to have a particular skill set and you have to have great hand-eye coordination. So when you got guys coming in there, throwing 100 miles an hour, then you, they turn around and throw you a changeup at 85 miles an hour or a backdoor slider. And for you to even be able to make contact and put the ball in play is phenomenal in itself. So when I see pitchers throw no hitters, you know, you got to have stuff, man. You got to have nasty stuff to make it through a major league lineup. If, you, if you've ever gone through a, to a major league baseball game, by the second time through the lineup, they're on the pitcher. Like, it don't matter, you know what I mean? Like, the elite pitchers, your Clayton Kershaw's, you know, your uh, DeGrom's, when you have these elite pitchers like that, they're really the only ones where, like, they can go through the entire lineup several times. But for the most part, you get two runs through the lineup, and that's it, boss. They're starting to tee off yeah, on you and put the ball it. in play. Yeah, what do you think, Nick? So, I – think it might be a little bit easier now just because a lot more guys are the swing for the fence type yeah. is the way the game is. So I think it is a little bit easier to maybe get a no-hitter because not as many guys are trying to put it in play yeah. like in the old days. So you get those hits back in the old days that squeak past the second baseman or the shortstop yeah. or just lay, even lay down a bunt to try to break up a no-hitter, which, is you know, it's kind of frowned upon, but people yeah, still they do try it. They'll it. do it. <laughs> yeah. So I think it is easier to a fault now, but I don't think there's shine off no. of it, in my opinion, like Coffee was saying earlier. It's still a hard thing to do. People trying to hit it for the fence or hit it in contact regardless. It's hard to go throw a no-hitter. So to me, there's no shine off of it. I just think it gets less pub because it's baseball yeah. in general that gets less pub. But Well, let's let's dive into that a little bit more. Like when I was a kid, like baseball was, you know, America's pastime. It was it. It was everything. Yeah, I mean, I remember, and we had stars. You know what I mean? Man. So it, was, it was Griffey, it was Jeter, it was, it was, they were big stars. Yeah. Nowadays, it feels like the best players in baseball, like most people don't even know who that is, who, who they are. Like Mike Trout, um, uh, Ronald Acuna. Yeah. Like, we don't really Tati's talk about junior. these players. Jose Alt. Yeah. 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 You know, there's a, you know, so, Javier Baez. There's a, there's a ton of ball players, man. A ton of ball players. Um, I don't, I think, uh, Baseball has to find a way to not rebrand itself, but remarket itself to a younger generation. Because when you look at you look at the NBA and even the NFL, because the NFL used to have like five motherfuckers. They're like, "Are right, we gonna run Tom Brady out here? We gonna run Peyton Manning out here? Uh, we'll pick one nigga, and then." Boom. <laughs> That's it. That was, that, that was how the NFL used to do it. But even the NFL and the NFL and the NBA, especially the NBA, they do a phenomenal job at marketing their stars. And baseball is such an institution that I feel like it has um, neglected to um, figure out how to remarket the game and, re and bring it back to a younger generation. Because when I was a kid, man, my favorite athlete was King Griffey Jr. And my son is like, who's King Griffey Jr.? I'm like, son, he was the man. Like, he was the man. Like, him, 
and Deion Sanders, even Deion Sanders played, and he, those guys were my. Those, that sounds like bad parenting. Bo Jackson, <laughs> your part. You know what I mean? And like, he's like, who? He's like, who are they? I'm like, who are they? And see, he's 18, so like, I'm, I'm like, man, look, you got to do some homework, you know. But at the same time, baseball needs to do its homework and figure out how to remarket itself to a younger generation. So I'm, I think I'm agree with Nick on this one. If your son 18 and he don't know those players, then that's on you, bro. Oh, you yeah. Gotta, like, you yeah. got to let him yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, you know, we, you know we had a history lesson around this place. Because he saw me, I'm, I'm, I was like, ooh, yeah, I, these Griffies are coming out. And he's like, what? You know, because my son is a shoe junkie, right? And I'm like, ooh, yeah. these, I always wanted these Griffies and never got them as a kid. So I seen they were about to drop on the sneaker app. And he seen how excited I was. Uh, about these grippies, like those are ugly shoes. I'm like, son, these are king grippies. These are swingmen. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, don't matter what they yeah. look like. <laughs> I just want a pair, <laughs> so I end up getting them. But yeah, I had to explain to him, hey son, like I was like, he was like the Michael Jordan basketball, you know, uh, you know, like yeah. a baseball. Yeah, he was dude. Yeah. He's a man. Yeah, my kid don't so, know who Griffey is. I'm, <laughs> he he can he can stay home from school. We we gonna, we gonna have a, a homeschool today. We gonna learn about Griffey. <laughs> You about to ask something, Nick? No, so I think baseball has a couple problems, actually. I, I Coffee hit on one of them, which is marketing. They they need to hire whoever the best marketing person yeah. is in whatever industry and get them because they don't market their players very well at all. Like they just they're not anywhere. They should be like Mookie Betts. You should have everywhere. that guy everywhere. He's, the, he's he, done everything he's already enough Griffey. to where and he's won, and he's won you can put him on anywhere. Nobody should debate yeah. it, but they don't do anything with it. I, he plays in L.A. Yeah. He plays in L.A. for the Dodgers. He is one of the best players in baseball. He has an MVP. He has a World Series MVP. He has two World Series yeah. rings. Why don't you have this guy all he over the place? Ass- he should be the Derek Jeter of the yep. West Coast. But you're doing nothing with yep. it. And I don't get baseball. Like, they just miss on every so opportunity. If you go back. Another thing with baseball, yeah. technology. Technology hurt baseball. Because, and I'm going to tell yep. you why for the I most agree. part, for a weird thing. When I was a kid, I remember playing baseball a ton. Going outside with my friends. Everybody basically had a glove. Somebody had at least one yep. bat. We had at least one baseball, something that was going to get lost. We're going to try to find it, whatever. Yeah. You had at least one. You had. You could make it <laughs> work. Times. But now, like, I live in a neighborhood. I don't remember the last time I seen some kids outside just running a little baseball game in the wherever, a park or wherever. Like, it just don't happen. Like, that. You, I remember growing up looking at the paper at batting averages going down like 50 people the Houston Chronicle would have. They'd have the ERA. They'd have the steals. They'd have everything. Yeah. And I remember looking at that, looking at the box scores from teams I never saw play because I didn't have cable. I all only team I ever saw was the Astros on the Mexican channel most of the time. So I saw the games in Spanish. So <laughs> I can relate to that. So I mean, like, I, so I think technology along the way has hurt baseball because it was kind of one of those games that, as a kid, up until that point, everybody kind of played because they was just outside doing yeah. it. Like you, you was outside just playing it. But now. For the most part, you just have the countries that really are behind in technology still playing the game. So now you see a lot of guys from the Dominican yeah. Republic, Cuba, yeah. wherever it is that's an island sport that maybe is way behind on the technology. They still have those kids outside playing with the stick and a rock. Yeah. I mean, I see- you can hit a rock with a stick. You're going to be nice at <laughs> some baseball. So, so I think with their best players being the Acuna types, 
the Tatis Jr. types, you know, basically Latin players and not as many American players. I mean, be it white or black. Yeah. Do you think they just don't have anybody to market that's American that I think can help also? Well, I mean, I think they could market those I mean, guys, but I don't know if they even want to. You try. know, just like for I, IE, an example, like when, back when, like, uh, the NBA really started. Um, uh, reaching its precipice in marketing when they would have the McDonald's commercial. It'd be Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. You know what I mean? Or back when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa was chasing those home run records, they would have multiple baseball players in a commercial with one another. You know, a scripted commercial. You know, baseball really needs to get back to that. But like you were saying, they need to market some of their exciting players. Mookie Betts is exciting. People like to cut the TV on and watch him. Ronald Acuna, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr., you know what I mean? Like, these p- kids are Javier Baez, you know, and then you got guys, even guys like Bryce Harper, you know what I mean, saying make baseball fun again. I think that's what baseball really needs to do, you know. Like you said, I think I also think technology hurt baseball in a way. Um, and then, like I said, so- it, you can't – man, the way that the NBA markets their stars, man – it is that's why every kid wants to play basketball yeah so let me ask you this so do you think that there was like there the like when we talk about jordan yeah and jordan obviously got that thing started and got it going uh but then there was always that handoff for the nba so we had bird we had magic they passed the torch to jordan Jordan passed the torch to AI and Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. Kobe passed the torch to LeBron, and then now there's Curry. And then we see, we've always had that, and there's never been that lapse. Um, do you think the fact the steroid era um, caused that lapse? Because baseball went out of their way to vilify the guys that were carrying their brand. Like when you think about it, McGuire and Sosa, that was in Bonds and Clemens, that was their guys, right? That was that was the brand after Griffey. Yeah. So they went out of their way to make them. Uh, basically into villains, Alex Rodriguez as well. And then so nobody looked up to them because baseball themselves basically kind of cast them away. So then there was this period of time where there was no dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, was, there was no guy. Yeah. And by I mean, the time they still kind of be- had Jeter they could have thrown out there. Yeah, yeah but, but that was it. Like, that, if, you weren't, if, you, yeah. if you didn't like Jeter, that was, that was, that was the only was You only had one choice. That was it. it was, yeah. And that's the truth. Yeah. And, you know, and Jeter, Jeter definitely protected his legacy. Uh, rightfully so, during the era that he came up in. I think because I'm such a baseball fan and such a baseball historian, I was extremely disappointed. I'm still disappointed <clears throat> in baseball, uh, the as far as administrators of baseball, and I'm also disappointed in uh, the writers for the Hall of Fame. Because um, those at that particular time, I'm not going to say everybody was using steroids because it would be wrong for me to throw players that were clean under the bus. But a large majority was using steroids. Here's the deal. Baseball vilified some of the greatest players to ever lace up a pair of cleats. In my personal opinion, I never, I've never seen one human being be able to change an outcome of a game with just his plate appearance or being on deck. And that was Barry Bonds. I've seen him get walked with the bases loaded. You hear me? That's how. Yeah, that's unheard, that's of. unheard of. And here's the thing. You can take all the steroids you want. You can take all the HGH you want. But if you can't hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, you can't hit a fastball. If you can't hit a curveball, 
you just can't hit a curveball, period. You know what I mean? And so the way that baseball vilified those players is extremely unfortunate because baseball capitalized. That was the go- as far as financially, those were the golden years of baseball when those guys were knocking all those home runs. That's why you see motherfuckers now with four hundred million dollar contracts, three hundred fifty million dollar contracts, because that era, baseball capitalized yeah. off it. They got a lot of money off yeah. it, and then they turned around and vilified the guys that were notable, noticeable. Because if you go and you read the, the Balco scandal books, and you go and you read their articles, there is a laundry list of players that were um, um, implicated in using ATH and steroids. But these guys were bums. They, some of them didn't even play yeah. every day. Some of them did and were still bums. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. you know, still hitting sub 240, 230, 250. You know what I mean? Couple home runs a whole year, but baseball took it. Baseball took its opportunity to clean itself and to make itself look better. But in the end, I think it eventually hurt itself by vilifying your your Clemenses and your Bonses. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's a great point, and I think the Baseball Hall of Fame is probably one of my biggest sticking points with baseball because I think the whole way that operation is run doesn't make any damn sense. The fact that Mariano Rivera was the first unanimous uh, Hall of Famer makes no sense to me. Like, we looked at Ken Griffey Jr. and somebody was like, nah, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. That doesn't make sense. That shocked me. I'm like, what the hell? Like, Ken Griffey's not a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer? There was one guy that thought he didn't deserve to be first who is that? Who is he? Get rid of him. Well, and they specifically said, it's not that he's not a Hall of Famer. It's just that I know he's going to get in. I don't want him to be the first uh, unanimous one. I'm like, that ain't your goddamn job. Like, yeah. is he a Hall of Famer or not is the question. Yeah. Like, just answer the question. Yeah. So I'm glad we brought up Hall of Fame because that's going to be our, what we're going to talk about next. Yeah. Uh, Julian Edelman retired. And for some reason that is unbeknownst to me, People started throwing around the word Hall of Fame. No. And I have no idea how the hell anybody thinks Julian Edelman's Hall of Fame. No. But it did get me thinking. Um, there are a lot of players who are fringe Hall of Fame. And so I'm going to name a couple players. And then as, as a group, we're going to decide whether or not we think that that player is Hall of Fame okay. or if he's not. All right. I'm into this. Um, <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. The first one. Honestly, it's just kind of an honorary thing because he also retired recently. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Do y'all think he's Hall of Fame or not? I'm going to say yes. I mean, I'm probably being a homer. You are. I know homer. that. Continue. Yeah, it's, it's, but a part, of being a, a part of being a good homer is knowing when you're being a homer. So I'm going to say that. Right. But uh, I think he is, honestly. He, he, that mid-range jumper was going buckets. down. Like, it's buckets. It, it was automatic. It's like that Carmelo where he he give you like three back downs. He faking. He turning around. Like it was basically the equivalent of that Carmelo move. Like that was his go to move. And to me, if I mean we're eventually putting Carmelo in, right? So if we're putting in Carmelo, then I mean I feel like Lamarcus Aldridge is close enough to that. Is he well, not? Melo's one of no. no Melo's one of the most one of the elite scorers. Oh, he not because Melo got a gold no, medal. Melo. Oh, Melo is out of, in NBA history one of the most elite scorers in basketball <laughs> history. So 
But I, you know what? Even though I'm a huge Spurs fan, that's my favorite team. Tim Duncan is my favorite basketball player of all time. I was definitely glad that when Tim Duncan retired, um, that uh, we replaced him with LaMarcus Aldridge. But I think the worst thing that LaMarcus Aldridge ever did was leave Portland, and that's why he ain't a Hall of Famer. He's on a. I don't <laughs> think he's a Hall of Famer. If he'd have stayed in Portland, you could have made an argument for that. You could have been like, you know what? Dude's a Hall of Famer. You can't round up and give him 20. He's got like 19,000 points and some change. You can't round up. Great ball player. I've seen him give Dwight Howard like 50 and 30. When at, in Dwight Howard's peak, look look this up. He gave, I want to say he gave Dwight Howard like 50-something and 34 or 50-something and 30. It was like a 50-30 game almost. A whole bunch of re- – he, he, so, he gave Dwight Howard the business and Dwight Howard's – when Dwight Howard was getting those defensive MVPs – Defensive Players of the Year. When he was Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Look it up. He gave him the business. I think it was like he he did him in twice in one year, like like 30 and 30 and 50 and 30. Like he gave him the business, man. Twice. All right. I, I've, been very, I've been very patient. And just for the record, I let everybody know that I'm a big, mellow guy. So okay. there's going to be some bias in this. But the fact that you just compared Lamarcus Aldridge to Carmelo is just disrespectful. Yeah, like, yeah. As much as I like, <laughs> as much as I like Lamarcus Aldridge, he is not Carmelo. Twenty-three and five and nineteen and eight is not that far apart. Like, let's be real. Well, but you also got to understand that when you're looking at those career averages, you're also looking at some OKC slash Houston years of Carmelo, and it ain't all. Those count now. Those don't count. Not when you when you're really looking at Hall of Fame, we kind of take off the edges. Like we really do. We kind of like throw out. Your worst years, like we don't look did, at Wizards it, Jordan when okay. we're looking at the Hall of Fame basically case. Always did the same. Besides Mello going to the Western Conference, Mello, once, Mello's got gold medals, with, man, and he's got a national championship. We doing this with gold medals now too. It's a basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, it's, it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's a basketball. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it is not. It is everything. So, so he we got to put it. He got a national championship. He's going to get in for that too at Syracuse. So I get that too. Mello's decorated. Lamarcus is. So my thing was. He's close enough to Mellow range that if if Mellow's so, automatic, then he should be close to. So anything. I I have a rule, right? Okay. So my rule when it comes to NBA, specifically big man, because of the fact that for whatever reason, Chris Webber isn't in the Hall of Fame. He should be. If you're going to get in, you have to be better than Chris Webber. That's she that's Webb Jamal's get, rule. Until we get Chris Fame. in there, but is that an NBA thing or is that a Michigan thing? I don't give a damn. He ain't you know in the Hall of Fame. Like, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's the NBA. I think it's more a Michigan because, like we said, it's everything. So I think that's more a Michigan thing than an NBA. Thing. But we don't like not put people in it. Like that's a baseball thing. To whereas we don't put people in the Hall of Fame because of scandals. Like basically, yeah, but you got, not not putting him in the Hall of Fame because he took money at Michigan. That that's not the reason why he's not in the Hall of no, Fame. There's uh, no way no. that impermissible benefits is the reason why he's not in the Hall of Fame. No. For whatever reason, they just don't think he's a Hall of Fame. C Web was C Web for a very long time was the, one of probably the elite and quintessential power forward in the NBA when he was in Sacramento for yes. some time, and they had those teams in Sacramento yeah. that was pushing the Lakers to six and seven games. But uh, it, yeah. you know, because you look at. You look at, you know, perfect examples of LaMarcus Archer and even C. Webb. If you look at, like, on the flip side of baseball, Fred McGriff, Fred McGriff should be in the Hall of Fame. Go look at his numbers. Fred McGriff is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Fred McGriff won the home run titles in both leagues. He won, he won World Series titles in both leagues. Fred McGriff's not in the Hall of Fame. 
I don't know what you're so fucking writing here's, or what. Basically, <laughs> so here's the thing with the Baseball Hall of Fame. I didn't put anybody baseball on this list because I just don't have any faith in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I don't either. So we so can skip all that. Yep. That's the whole yep. reason. That's the whole reason why I, I, I looked either. at some of those players and I'm just like, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Nope. So I'm just going to move on. Yep. So like, I agree. But that's really my only issue with Lamarcus Aldridge is he fails the Chris Webber test. Yep. If you're not better this than Chris Webber, you, can, you they're can't the get same in. Stats. They don't have the same stats because you got to look at assists. And it ain't there. I can tell you right now without even looking at it. See where see where was nice. I didn't look at I yeah, okay. <laughs> that's when you now, that's when you started seeing but honestly, no, his offenses through power too, forwards. Too better. Yes. Too. He's one of the first players that you ran an offense True. through him. Because he can like, pass the ball. You look at him he and he's like you watch the heat and with Bam out of bio, like Chris Weber made that popular. Like exactly. You run it through your power forward. Like yep. he did that. Yep. Like Lamarcus Aldridge. Here, here's what I'll say for you, Nick. Once Chris Webber gets in, we can talk about, about Lamarcus Aldridge. Aldridge. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> his ass can't get in. Chris Webber needs to be I'm in just not just gonna, I'm just not going to lie down for a person who's every time y'all give me a person who's automatically in, his stat is right there with it, and y'all telling me this guy's got to fight it's, for it. It's the other than. two people are automatically in. It's less than. Two people, because Chris Webber ain't in. You you can't say he's automatically. Okay, he yeah. Well, Chris Webber isn't in. So exactly. <laughs> so if you ain't better than Chris, you can't get in. Like that's just my rule that's on it now. Rule. Like that's the bar. That's the bar for me. Once I found out that Chris Webber couldn't get in, I'm like, okay, now I know what the bar is. So that's my test. Any NBA player, that's my test. So specifically, if you're a big, because that's that's to me the same thing. You play the same position. Were you better? at power forward than Chris Webber was at power forward. The answer is no. Then it ain't my fault that the NBA won't let Chris Webber in, but can't let you so in. I got a, so I got a question Neither for one of you can get in. So I got a question for y'all, right? All right. With the way that basketball is being evolutionized, right, do you ever think there'll ever be another dominant big man uh, a la Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon? Um, Will Chamberlain, you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The game is gone. It's a, it's, it's tear and go. Push. I mean, we got one right now. Who, who do you, who do you think? Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. He's very skilled. Gets most of his points in the post. He's very skilled. I don't even like him to shoot three pointers. I don't. Even, I'm thinking to myself, I'm glad this year that he is punishing people in the paint. He is punishing them. You know what I mean? But I don't know. The thing with him is. He, can he be available? Availability is a huge thing. Yeah. Can you be on the floor? Here's here's what I think's here's what I think's gonna happen though. I think as the game evolves into what you're seeing, you're gonna see teams get smaller, lighter, quicker, better shooters. Yeah. And then you're gonna have some powerhouse come in and they're not gonna be able to guard them. At so all. I think it's going to come full circle because if you have like in ten years when everybody's trying to shoot threes and nobody's in the paint, and you have some shack sized kid with blow post moves come along he he's not going to be able to be guarded and then it's a copycat league copycat league so if you win a ship with that guy then everybody's going to be looking for the next guy so i think it'll be cyclical i think it'll happen eventually but i do think right now they're becoming extinct but i think they'll they'll come back around it's just going to be something that takes probably another 10 15 years before it becomes in vogue again uh yeah okay that's kind of that's kind of my opinion on it i can see that all right it's a good question though so um Let's go to the next person because I think we, we got one yes for LaMarcus and we got two no's. Um, actually, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put this on the Twitter poll 
for all of these players and let other people decide and and we'll we'll see what what the, what the fans think. Like I said, Nick, I'm not against the idea of Lamarcus. We just gotta let Chris in first. That's it. That's, that's where I'm at. Be in there. So all right, yeah. So let's move on to football. And here's a guy that I think I sound like Collinsworth every time I say now. Here's a guy, but <laughs> I, I think it's a polarizing uh, player. Let's go, Eli Manning, Hall of Fame or not. Everybody's quiet because we ain't sure. <laughs> Man, I'll go first. Um, I'll let y'all think. I'll I'll let y'all think. I'm gonna say no. I'm because there was n- there was never a time to me where he was a top five quarterback ever in his career. Like there was never a time in his career where he was a top five quarterback. I'm a, I'm a, I know he has two rings, but how so are you so Hall of Fame when you weren't ever? Trent Dilfer's not in the Hall of Fame. He, Trent got one. Trent, Trent got, got one. one. Trent got one. Yeah, no, Eli, no, Eli, no, doesn't. I, I don't think it, not one time throughout his career was he a top five. Maybe, he may have only a handful of times been a top ten. And that's just me. I was trying my hardest to be nice, but I think you're right about that. I yeah. don't remember him being a top ten quarterback very often. I think his whole case is the fact that he beat Brady twice in the Super Bowl. And then when you look at those games, I think they were what seventeen, fourteen, and then twenty-one, seventeen. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't him. You know what I mean? That's like defense. that's the defense. The defense. That was Strahan. That's yeah. why Strahan's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So yeah. no, he's not. I don't. I don't think he is. You, you gonna let him in, Nick? I mean, I'm looking at his stats right now: three hundred and sixty-six touchdowns to two hundred and forty-four interceptions, which seems pretty high. He led the league in interceptions uh, a couple of times too. Sixty percent completion percentage, two rings. I mean, playing in New York is hard. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna give him a little bit of credit for that, <laughs> but it, it, it's still gonna be enough. But you know what? No, it is. It's a no, but I'm giving him credit. Like playing QB in New York, I feel like is not easy. Like, it's a lot. And my market. man did it for a long it's time, getting a lot of hate along the way. It was always even kill. I ain't never seen him. I never saw him throw nobody under the bus. He always got thrown under the bus, and he was a get his two rings out of it. He not. He not Hall of Fame, but I mean, I'm gonna give my man's a lot of respect. I'm mention. So if if you, I don't put him in the Hall of Fame. No. But. If you want to make the argument, compare his numbers with Troy Aikman's. And I promise you, you'll be like, okay, well, maybe. I still say no, but because <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a different era. Yeah. But if you look at those two, it because I was kind of looking through it, and I was like, well, give me some Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And I looked, and I was like, well, him and Troy ain't that far apart, really. But nah, sorry. Yeah. Troy got three, Troy you got, got two. And, and that, Cowboys <laughs> that Cowboys team was ridiculous. That Cowboys team was ridiculous on both sides of the ball, dog. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're in consensus with Eli. He can't. He can't get no, in. That's a no for me. Um, let's go back to basketball. I think we're gonna have three yeses with this one, but let's ask the question. Vince Carter. Yep. Yep. <laughs> just to, what you got, Nick? Just to play for like twenty something years and still be able to get on the court and get some run. That's 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 all the same. Worthy yeah. alone. Vince played like what, he was out here. Years? Yeah, I think he did. So off the top of my head, I say yes, but then I look at the stats, and man, I'm not, I'm not as impressed as I thought I was gonna be. So then I start think, what? Well, no, I was gonna say I think Vince is one of those players that's gonna get in based on, um, kind of the impact he made. That's not 
necessarily in a yeah. box score. Yeah. Um, like you said, you see all these players right now that are from Canada, you know, that in the NBA mm-hmm. littered around. You got Andrew Wiggins, Jamal Murray, uh, Shai, yep. Gilgis, Alexander. The, he did that, yep, really. Because the like, they really person, wasn't yep, hooping in Toronto like that. The first person that, that those guys name is Vince Carter. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think his impact on basketball, specifically in Canada, the fact that he's probably the greatest dunker, I say probably, but he is the greatest dunker of all time, which really that shouldn't matter. But these type of things, when you, in order to be a Hall of Famer, you got to be able to create these memories. And he has so many memorable moments because of his dunks. Uh, he's, I think from a three-point shooter standpoint, I think he's pretty high on that list as far as three points made, yeah. um, which is something that I don't think people think of when they think of Vince Carter. It's kind of like uh, Nick and I were talking earlier. Jason Kidd's also on that list, and it's not somebody you immediately think of. Develop that. Um, they develop but that over I think, time, yeah. Yeah. I think with the impact he's had, he's got – I mean, he's a 20-point scorer. Um, I think his career numbers are going to be hurt by the fact that he hung on so long. And so he's got a couple of Hawks years and stuff like that to where he wasn't doing nothing. Um, but if you look at the size of his prime, um, I think you can definitely – because, I mean, we think about him with Toronto, but he was he was nasty with the Nets too. Yeah. Like that Jason Kidd, uh, Richard Jefferson, Jefferson yeah. Vince Carter team. That was they went, yeah, to, they went that, to back-to-back NBA finals. Yeah. They lost to the Lakers and yeah, lost to the so, Spurs. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's definitely done enough uh, to get in – even though I don't think he's necessarily kind of a first ballot guy. Mm-mm. If he gets first ballot, I think it'll be because his his name has clout. Um, but, yeah, I, I, think he, I think he eventually gets in. Yeah, I think he gets so in. So I think we're all in agreement there. Yeah. So this next one, I'm going to let y'all talk, and then I'm gonna, I already know I'm going to be Mr. Unpopular <laughs> on this one. So. I'm gonna let y'all tell me how great he is, and then I'm gonna tell you why I don't think so. Um, Steve Nash, Hall of Fame or not? No. No. Okay. Uh-uh, I don't think. Okay. I don't think he should have got the two MVPs that he got. I'm glad you said. I don't go ahead, Nick. I'm gonna okay. make your argument. I don't think. So I'm gonna go since you guys are going right. no. He has the two MVPs. <laughs> I just can't always take this away. Like, stop doing this. Like, I'm tired of people always doing this. He has them. I know you guys didn't pick him, but he has them. Stop taking them away. So You can't do that. But here's, here's my thing. Steve Nash is going to get in. We, he's going to get in. I'm not arguing that. And I won't be mad. I like Steve yeah. Nash. But here's the thing. If... Let's say one of those MVPs went to Kobe or went to Shaq, and he's got one MVP. Do you put him in with that same? Everything else is the exact same. Nope, you don't. If the answer is no, then he shouldn't be in nope, because you don't. basically, if he, if he just got it's one, arbitrary of him, based on a vote. Yeah, it's just based on a vote. <laughs> like it's not like something he had to like do. He just was voted that. I mean, I never cut it. T- so it's not. I never cut a TV on looking to watch Steve Nash play. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a point guard. So I study some Steve Nash now. Because he, he, I used to try to do that little circle thing he did under the basket. But nobody, like, I didn't, I didn't have Amari Stoudemire. So the shit didn't work for me. But, like, I definitely tried it. I was just like, hey, somebody, okay, now I pass it and somebody dunks it. But I think he was a great player. I think he could have had a larger impact if he was a more selfish player. Because there's no doubt in my mind he could have gave you 20 a night. Easy. Like, the dude was a great shooter. Easy. He just didn't shoot. He's, a, so he's more of a facilitator. I think, 
Yeah, but he could have did both. I mean, there's plenty of players that give you 20 a night and still give you eight, nine assists. Yeah. He could have been that guy. I think he really was. Honestly, his biggest reason why he's probably not Hall of Fame in my book is probably Robert Ory because Robert Ory doesn't hip check him into the boards and Amari Stoudemire doesn't get suspended. <laughs> he probably has a ring right now because if you give him two MVPs and a ring, I, there's nothing you could do. Yeah. But he'll get in. And I'll, it'll, I'll, I'll clap because I like Steve Nash. But I think if we looked at the body of work on its own, what he actually did and not what he was voted on for, I don't think it would be Hall of Fame. I think we're stuck on the fact that he did get voted on for things that I think pretty widely people feel like he shouldn't have got that second one. I think that's... You keep saying voted on like none of the MVPs are all voted They're all voted on. So like... I know. So what, Michael Jordan's MVPs don't count now because they're voted on? So I'm like... Here, here's the thing. Michael Jordan's MVPs don't need to count. No. Without MVPs, Michael Jordan's... We ain't talking about that. We don't, we, you don't have to bring up the, the MVPs. If we just... If MVP wasn't an award... Well, I mean, let's say it, it was, still goes let's say it on didn't there. Exist. We still say Michael Jordan has what? What is it? Five or six? Whatever it is. Like six. MVPs? Like six. six. We still say it. Like... Even we if say it was one, it, two, three, or four, if MVP we, we didn't exist. If it didn't exist, Michael Jordan's a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Carl Malone's a Hall of Famer. That's oh, yeah. like not Tim fair, Duncan's a Hall of Famer. Because Charles we're just Barkley now being like, oh, but my, okay. So my whole point is give me a player in any league across any sport anywhere on this planet that has won the best, the award that's given to the best player in their sport twice, let alone was it two years in a row? Yeah. That isn't in the hall of fame like just give me a sport anywhere like if i'll give I had you it my time way, to look it up if i had it my way the answer would be steve nash well <laughs> you ain't gonna have it your way and it won't be the answer <laughs> but that's what but, but that's my whole point my i, yeah. I see you're you're going more stats which i made the case earlier and didn't seem to matter I mean, but i did use your you're logic going more stats. <laughs> you're going more stats and i'm going award given to the top player in a league Two times in a row, like getting it twice, two times in a row, and I'm just saying that alone gets you in. Like it, you but can say here's it, the thing. it shouldn't, but it does. Here's the thing: we gave the award to Steve Nash, a most valuable player. But if you'd have asked the writers who's the best player in the NBA, they're not saying Steve, Steve Nash. Nash. They would have said Kobe. They'd have said Shaq. They'd have said somebody not named Steve Alan Nash. Iverson. There's no chance yeah. that if you asked the question, they would have said Steve Nash. So we the give the award. Alone. That's the thing that's weird about the MVP that's is that the, we give the award the NBA, based on like. That's kind of when the NBA started going a different way with the MVP. You know what I mean? They started uh, who's the, they started doing it a little different. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. But they've always done that, though, because the only person really to ever win it three years in a row is Bird. Because usually after two in a row, they just won't give it to you again. Like, they'll just okay, be like, but, we're not going to do it. But that. That has nothing to do with how good you are at basketball, which the Hall of Fame is supposed to be about. So if the yeah. writers get bored with you, like the fact that Kobe has one and Nash has two pisses me off. I'm just gonna be Kobe real. should have Kobe like, should at least have three, that, especially that one year where he was just torching everybody. Kobe got hurt a lot of the years because he was with Shaq. So really, honestly, he should have only got maybe. Well, I guess the, you're saying one he of got Steve three. Mack with, I mean, what he got two? You're saying he should have had at least two. At least two. At least two. He should have at least two. I'll give you. Know you. I mean, like maybe three. Kobe. I, Kobe how, was. How many does Shaq have? Kobe does Shaq have one? Cor- Shaq has one. Doesn't Shaq he? has one or yeah. two? I think. Yeah. See. Hey, I I'll never forget when D Wade on national TV basically said he should have had Kobe's MVP. He ain't say it like that. 
but, but he, he said, said I should have won this year. And then when you Google who won that year, it was Kobe. I was just like, oh, you taking Kobe's MVP? <laughs> oh, I was okay. just like, okay, D-Wade. But he was killing it. He had a good point, though. He was, killing it, he was killing in the playoffs that year. He killed. He killed. He definitely did that. Yeah, but then again, wasn't, wasn't, Shaq, wasn't Shaq on that D-Wade team? He wasn't Shaq Shaq, though. He wasn't yeah, Kobe he was, Shaq. He was still yeah. he still averaged 30-something uh, in the no, finals. D-Wade was the best player on that court in that series at all. They had just put him in the washer. That's that's what And that was, was prime dirt. <laughs> They hadn't they hadn't started the washer they yet. Put but, in. But he was in the washer. Nah, they had the water running with the lid yeah. open. They put the detergent in there yet? They you were, owe, they, you they owe they your were, way to be a wash. Yeah, they were they were deciding which what cycle they wanted to put. Yeah, he, that's where he was at. He was right there prime for that. All right, so we know Steve Nash is getting in, but we have two no's on this panel. I'm sure we'll get call haters, but you know, is such as like Moving on to this next player, I probably shouldn't even vote because I'm a homer too, so I'm going to let y'all go first. Cam Chancellor. Hell Hall of Fame no. or not? Oh, you're talking about the football player. I uh, you, uh, uh, see, football, your life, your, your, okay. your shelf expectancy. I'm glad you thought it was somebody else because we was about to my, argue. My brain okay. said Channing Fry. <laughs> I'm about to say, hell no, he ain't no Hall of oh. Fame. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't even in the Arizona <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> Um, you can't make the Wildcat Hall of Fame. Uh, nah, he can't. He, I was just I was, okay, okay, okay. No, okay, um, okay. <laughs> damn man, that's a tough one because that all of those guys, um, all of those guys on that three of them, yeah, anyway. on that, on that, that, that defense, that that back end back there, they were t- Earl, him, uh, Richard Sherman. Yeah, you got to put him in, man. I would put him in because your life, your shelf life in the NFL is three to four years, man. You feel me? And when he was in, he had a good run there. You feel me? And um, and he was a difference maker on that defense, man. Back there, roaming the back, back there like that. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough. You know, he wasn't. When you start looking at where he's a free safety. We start looking. He was strong. strong Earl was free. Yeah, Earl was a free. We start yeah. looking at strong safeties. Some of those guys made some serious impacts on the game. You know what I mean? But I think mm-hmm. Cam Chancellor definitely made an impact on the game. I think he deserved to be in there. Super Bowl winner. Should have had two Super Bowls. You ask me. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Jesus Christ. Um, too. Yeah. Yeah. You sh- and I'm doing that. I'm making my call on that because the years they was on that team. It was a form that defense was ridiculous. That back them dudes in the them dudes on the back end of that defense were shut locking people down, homie, put and laying hammer to them. And I'm making my decision based off NFL shelf life. You can't. It's not like yeah, NBA or sense. baseball where you got ten years, fifteen yeah. years. You got really a three, four year window, maybe five if you blessed. You know what I mean to be yeah. playing at a high level. You know, and for his yeah, people, his shelf life, he paid at a high level. All right, Nick, where you land? <sighs> Anytime you're on a defense with a nickname, and especially nicknames Legion of Boom, and you're probably the biggest part boom. of that boom. <laughs> exactly. I'm a, I'm gonna have to probably put you in. I'm I'm with coffee on the shelf life. I'm not gonna give it. He didn't need for me. He didn't need like a 15 year, 12 year that type of career. Um. 
to make an impact for me to be Hall of Fame, I, you know, they won a ring based off that defense. Maybe should have won two. And it was all built around that defense being elite, especially that back end. It's not like they had elite talent on the front end. They had a couple linebackers that were talented. You know, Bobby Wagner do his thing. But, you know, that they were basically the reason that that team was going to be in the hunt every year. You know, when it was them in San Francisco kind of doing their things in NFC West, they were that reason that they were always going to be there towards the end, and you knew you could depend on them game after game. So it's going to be a yes for me. I didn't look at the stats. I'm just going to go with gut. Appreciate so, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need, I need Nick, so I'm, Nick, I'm a numbers, huge Nick, v, guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I usually am too, but I'm a huge VT fan. So I think Bruce Smith is the only person we got in the Hall of Fame. So yeah, I'm putting Cam Chancellor in because I need some company in there for VT. Um, you kind of read, you read my mind, Nick. I was gonna say like they had the nickname, and he's really the boom in in the in in that, in that secondary. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. That that nickname is basically named after him because he's the reason why the boom was there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely biased, but I put them in there. I mean, let, let's just let's just do it. I feel better that I'm not the only one. I thought it was going to be just me, so I feel a little better. Maybe maybe I do know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> let's let's get Cam in the hall. Yep. Let's start, let's start a campaign. Okay, the last one we're gonna do, and then we're gonna move on to something else. Manu Ginobili. See, now I'm going to be biased. Now I'm going to be a... a this, okay. The Spurs are my team. <laughs> oh, we got a, every person's got a bias. <laughs> Spurs, yeah, Spurs we have one for everybody. Feel bad either. The Spurs are Everybody's my team. One. And um, so he's a five-time NBA champion. He is a gold medalist. Um, and uh, one of the greatest actors in NBA history. but uh when the chips were on the line and the game was tight uh manu could go get you a bucket i've seen him do it tons of times um he's a champion on all fronts uh i think he deserves to be in the hall of fame and uh he's not your (laughs) robert ori got what six or seven rings right yeah seven yeah manu got five rings manu was a part a, a part of every one of them rings. He played a part. Yeah. You know, and then when he got yeah, later... He didn't just hit a shot yeah, every now and yeah. then. And then when he got later into his career, he was the sixth man coming off the bench, still hitting you for 15, 20 a game, or making a big play or a big block, which he made on James Harden against the Houston Rockets going for that final game seven shot. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Manu, Manu is a Hall of Famer, if you ask me. I'm a Spurs fan. Um through and through, Tim Duncan was my favorite player. Uh, but to watch those teams in those years, Matt is definitely a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think what makes this easy for me is the fact that it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, I think it would be a tougher question if we were just saying NBA Hall of Fame. I think he kind of teeters more. I probably still get him in. I mean, yeah. I'm not a rings guy. I'd hate the rings argument, but five is hard to ignore. Um, it's not one or two, you know what I mean? That's five. Um, so, but when you add the fact that it's the basketball of fame, so you look at what he did internationally, then I think that makes it a lot easier decision. Uh, I think I look at it the same, a lot, very similar to the way I look at Pal Gasol. I know he's not on this list, but he's got to be in the hall of fame because if you take the whole body of work, what he did in in Europe, 
um, winning the gold medal as well. Like you got to let them in. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame, not the NBA Hall of Fame. I don't see a good argument against him being in the Hall of Fame, really. So I got Manu in there as well. What what about you, Nick? You got a man? We consensus? Yeah, I think it's gonna be (laughs) (laughs) to me, he's one of those rare guys that makes it into the Hall of Fame off the bench. Usually have to be pretty damn good to do that because they just don't let anybody do that. Probably, you know, him and I think Havlicek, right, was the kind of like the first one to kind of do it. The six man. Should have, you know, probably was a you know, he was a starter basically, but yeah, he came off the bench, played starter minutes. Uh, like he said, all those all those championship teams for the most part. I don't think the first one maybe, but for the most part, I think all those Spurs championship teams and kind of you know part of that group of bringing the good you know. Well, I guess where is Ginobili from? Is he Argentinian? Yeah, right? Argentinian. Not yeah. quite Europe, but I think Argentina. they speak Spanish. But you know what I mean. Yep. European. You know, he's considered yep. European. Let's be. Hey, right. hey he so, was he was the first guy I ever seen use the Euro step. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say that. I yeah, was like, it's the South pretty American step is what it should yeah. be called. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Hit you with the salsa step. step. Yeah. So a part of those guys, a group that were good, because, you know, for a while, people weren't trying to get people from other countries because they were busting. They just weren't good. And uh, he kind of helped bring that back to where people aren't so shy about drafting guys from uh, other countries again because we're – starting to build back up that trust that they're not going to bust yeah. and flame out or just go back home. Cause you get a lot of guys that come over play like a couple of years and like, man, I'll just go back to the crib and make just as much and be more like comfortable heritage. than playing over, playing over in the States in like Oklahoma city or Sacramento or just one of these places that aren't as good as a city, you know, in Europe basically. Yeah. So hey, Rudy Fernandez. So I think he's a big part of that too. And a lot of guys games like James Harden is modeled pretty much around Ginobili, but just a better athletic version. So, yeah, it's going to be a yes for me, too. So I think that'll make that okay. clean sweep. What a wonderful way to, to end this is on a on a consensus, a little kumbaya moment for all of us. No doubt. A little less arguing. Uh, so <clears throat> let's transition to guys who want to, in the future, be in the Hall of Fame, specifically the NBA Hall of Fame. Let's talk about the NBA draft a little bit. So the college basketball season just ended. Uh, Baylor beat the brakes off of Gonzaga. So now we're kind of transitioning from college basketball to getting ready and geared up uh, for the NBA. Uh, So you see a lot of mock drafts, a lot of big boards coming out. And I got to say, early on, I don't see what a lot of people see. We're going to get right into this, Nick, because the homer in you. We got every mock board, mock or big board that I've seen has Kai Jones as a top 15 player. You're a Texas guy. He's a Texas guy. Tell me why he's top 15. I think he's going to get somebody fired. That's, that's essentially where I'm getting at. <laughs> Wait, so, is he the, I, was he the one that had, got the big, lot of hair? Yeah. Played yeah. down low? Kind of. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm trying to remember. So – he he's one of those guys where I feel you, but then I see the potential. I don't know if it's because I watched him. Potential gets you fired. I just I see why I see why he's gonna get picked high. He's six ten, six eleven. He can guard. That is his him. shot doesn't his shot doesn't look bad at all. So people are gonna love that. I'm not sure how consistent of a shooter he'll end up being, but he's very athletic. He run like he runs the court so well. Like 
So everything you look at, I mean, it just screams NBA and it screams every, everything that GMs love. But to your point, it's has he was high, the fifth it's, best it's player a boomer bust. He's what we like to call in UFC. He's a boomer bust person. Like he he's either going to knock somebody on that out. Team. What'd you say? He was the fifth best player on that team. Get out of here. I mean, so as this a college basketball say. player, as a college basketball player, he was the fifth best player on that team. Now he has way more pro potential than a Matt Coleman or a even a Courtney Ramey or yeah he has even or Andrew Jones who was highly talented and supposed to be basically a one and done which he'll probably end up anyway. But I think he ended up at a school that he needed a he needed a pro coach and he had a college coach and he even outshined that even having a guy who's not didn't have his best who could make him look even better. He didn't have he wasn't in a system like that. He wasn't able to play like that in in the NBA where he can be able to run up and down what he does best at this point. I think he'll be a good player. I don't think he'll ever get to what I think his ceiling could be. I think he's a poor man Siakam, which probably shouldn't be drafted at number eight, which I'm seeing, but I think that so, it. He, I, I agree with everything you said about his skills, like his talent. Like he has all the talent. He's, he's a, never shown the ability to put it all together. He's essentially a guy with a high ceiling, but doesn't own a ladder. Like, that's where I feel about it. Like, he has no chance to ever get there. Like, <laughs> the ladder's, the ladder's <laughs> missing a few runs. <laughs> yeah. He, he's got no ladder. He's got a high ceiling with no ladder. Well, if, if we, so, I just... You, you go ahead, Mike. If, I, I if mean, we're talk, if, if, I, me and my son watched several Texas games. Um, and if we're talking about the same guy, I watched, we watched this guy be an animal on the boards. Gets tons of rebounds, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. In the NBA, if you can be someone that can help us get second chance points, another shot at a bucket or a three, they can find some value in you. Will he be a starter? I don't think so. That's like the, the Garza guy, the Garza kid. Great college player. That shit is not going to equate in the NBA. There are athletes in the NBA the same size as you, built like you, running faster, jumping higher, moving quicker laterally. That ain't going to fly in the NBA. I mean, he'll get to the NBA, but, you know. But here's, here's the question for me. Is, if the question is, do I think Kai Jones can be a solid role player in the NBA? The answer is yes. Yeah. I do think he can be. But we're talking about top 10 pick. I don't like, know. Uh-uh. It, whether he's a viable NBA player isn't the question. Uh-uh. Like, the question uh-uh. is, is, are you picking him top 10? No. So if he turns into Siakam, is that, is that okay for eight or no? If he was Siakam, eight is a great place to pick. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If you get Siakam, hell, really, when you think about an NBA draft, if you get a Siakam at five, that's a great pick. Like, Siakam's a 20 and eight guy. And to me, so, why can't he be that? Like, to me... Nothing to me stops him from being Siakam, basically. Like from a talent standpoint, de- there isn't anything that's stopping him from being there. But like I said, not everybody reaches their talent. There's a lot of players who are more talented than Siakam that don't do the things that Siakam does on day in day out basis. And then there's players, so there's players like talent Siakam, alone. There's players like Siakam that develop late. He started developing later. You know what I mean? So his, yeah. you know, he's still and he's still developing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, basically, at that point, you're just. I think it becomes arrogance from a coaching staff. I think NBA coaches think that if a guy has talent, they can get it 
out of whoever. If the talent is there, I'm an NBA coach, I can get it out of you. And I think time in and time out, we've seen that that's not true. Like, I'm trying to think of these examples of, of coaches saving this guy who was talented, but nobody else can get through to him. But NBA coach X was able to just make him a star. Like, that shit don't happen. Like, a lot of this stuff has got to be self-motivation. You got to want it, like, put on your work, own. Like, you got to want to be a star. Right. Which, for the record, I don't know Kai Jones. Maybe he is that dude. I, I think he is because he made a big jump from year one to year two. Like, he wasn't this guy. Like, I don't even re- remember him playing much year one. Like, I don't even really remember him at all. And for him, the most times when I watched Texas play, be the guy that stood out the most. And I was like, damn. Kai that's that, yeah, that's the guy. Because he was coming about. off the bench for most of the year. Shaka didn't even start him until the Big 12 tournament when Greg Brown got, I don't, something happened and Shaka, you know, me and Jamal have kind of talked about it. He just kind of threw Greg uh, around the side and Kai Jones stepped up as a starter. And then that's when he finally started. So, I mean, he's come up, he's kind of, I, I know they're not the same player, but maybe he's like Booker. Maybe he's one of those guys that was coming off the bench most of the time in college. And then, you know, gets the NBA and just has this jump. Just kept developing his game. Gets the ball in their hands a little bit more, gets a little bit more. You watched Booker even at, at least when I watched Booker, even at Kentucky, I would always be like, man, why, why don't he play more? That dude, he was getting his own bucket. But like, that's the same with Kai Jones. Why didn't Kai Jones play more? Like, right, but why that, was like, he... it just looked different. Because Booker was going out there and showing that he's the best player to get his own bucket on that team. Yeah, and we know Booker how Kentucky was a gets certified now. shooter. You the, like, if you're the best person to get a bucket on a Kentucky team, like in Calipari, like, that means you're a bucket. Yeah, you're, he's, they he's got a, players that can go he's get a, one. He's a stone cold strap. But, you know, K- Kentucky, their, their talent pool is always so deep. So when you watched him play. Not this year. Yeah, well, not, yeah, not this year. <laughs> yeah, no. They're getting whooped on. So sometimes when you watched him play, there's the, the talent level so high, you don't, it's hard to see who stands out. Because, you know, I didn't pay Bam out, out of Bayou. He didn't stand out to me. He didn't. No, he really did. He didn't stand out to me. So I liked his energy. Yeah, I liked him as a player because I liked his energy. But I didn't think he was going to be this. No, I, I, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I said I thought he was going to be this guy. But at Kentucky, like I don't understand why prominent bigs go to Kentucky because you don't get specifically if you have skill. Because it's another thing like with Julius Randle. Like I didn't have any idea he was that kind of a playmaker because in Cal's offense you, you don't get to be a playmaker as a big. Nope. So. He was kind of stunted, and then he gets to the NBA, and I'm like, man, you can run through Julius Randle. You can run through Adebayo, but you never get that opportunity to do that at Kentucky because it's all about guard play, really. Yeah. So if I'm a big that – even though he did get Dakari Johnson paid, so I guess other bigs are like, but if he can get <laughs> Dakari Johnson some money, then <laughs> I'm going to go there. He's going to get yeah, me paid for I'm sure. So maybe <laughs> – I got to be because I think there was a – kid oliver that he got paid too i think his name was i can't think of his first name but the dude was trash and he got him paid too so maybe he feels like people feel like he can houdini them some money but back i just i'm I'm gonna lay off kai jones we'll see what happens (laughs) i just think he's gonna get somebody fired that's what i think (laughs) is gonna happen i i think he's gonna there's gonna be somebody at like 15 16 that's gonna be like legit and then you're going to look back at this draft and they'll be like, how come they didn't get him? And I'm like, they drafted Kai Jones over this dude? <laughs> like that, I think, gonna be I that think if Kai Jones ends up at the Raptors, like it says, where it hasn't projected, I think he's good. But if he falls to one of those teams like, say, a Detroit or a Kings, then I, we already know where this is. So let's, let's, use, let's use the Raptors as a good example. Like, 
so I could see Kai Jones being like maybe Chris Boucher. Right? Uh, they picked Chris Boucher in the second round. That's what like, that's where he got picked. <laughs> <laughs> right with, yeah, he well, like maybe he shouldn't have been. Maybe he <laughs> should have been there, you know, higher. It just didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean we'll see. Because I think Chris Boucher is probably a better comparison. A guy who's kind of real thin, but he's still a good shot blocker. Can Shows that he can shoot. And can be really efficient and really effective in about 20 to 25 minutes a game. Like, I think if that's what Kai Jones is... I, I think that's I think that's realistic. I'm just not sure if I'm taking that at eight. I'm not sure if I'm taking that at ten. If I was taking seventeen, twenty, yeah, for sure. But eight, I think that's just high for me. Like I, if I, I knew that he blood. could become like a mid to high thirty something percent three point shooter, like I would feel confident at picking him at eight. Like if he could yeah, be, we don't know close that. No, I don't. But, but if, if I knew, but like, if you can, if you can, if you can defend, I would do it in a heartbeat. If you can defend. You'll find a home in the NBA if you can defend. If you, yeah, that's that's his biggest thing for me is that he can defend probably three or four positions. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's he can defend everything but five, like everything but a, yeah. a legit five man in the NBA. He can. Defend. Well, I don't know if he's defending the NBA one. one. I don't. And I think he might. He's, he might be dancing. He's pretty he's like. Defending. He's had to show that times again. Like he switched on to Cade Cunningham and he was fine. Cade, listen, Cade, Cunningham, yeah. Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham is not a Russell Westbrook. It's like, not I a, watched him play Oklahoma State with however many times. Like, he Lillard. switched on. He was okay. <laughs> not a John Wall. But, I mean, that's the number one pick in the NBA draft. But he could be a Doncic. I don't see any reason why Cade Cunningham can't come in and do the same thing that Luka Doncic is doing. Like, I really don't. Man, Doncic like, is skilled, man. And he's super smart. He ain't the most athletic. Okay. He's, he's I watched Cade Cunningham pass to some bums. Okay, and that's my point. <laughs> It's it's literally my like if you watch Kate Cunningham play, he's playing with no spacing. Ain't nobody on that. He's the best shooter on that team, and he's not even a great shooter. He can shoot, yeah. <laughs> but he's easily the best shooter on that team. So there's no spacing. You can run a full on zone in college. There ain't no yeah. defense of three seconds, and he's still getting to the basket anytime he wants to. Like the dude, he gets you get him to an NBA roster where you got some shooters, you got a bigger court. Like he's gonna be hard to keep out of the paint. Like he's gonna do. What Lamelo did this year before he got hurt, if he gets in the right situation, he's gonna have a Lamelo type rookie year. I, I, I mean, we'll see who gets the first pick, and then I'll, I'll, I'll say that a little more confidently if he gets somewhere where I think he's gonna have that opportunity yeah. uh, to do that. But if he gets an opportunity where they're gonna give him the ball and let him go, he's gonna have Lamelo type numbers in his rookie year. I think he's that good, and like in my opinion, he's gonna be a better player than Lamelo. And I know everybody loves Lamelo. I'll take K Cunningham. That's just oh, where I'm shit. at with that. That's, that's, so, that's bold. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? Man. <laughs> I, you know what? I, you know, I'm going to remember this. Note to self. Note to self. Hey. Note to self. Jamal said that, he, that Kay Cunningham could turn out to be better than LaMelo. Because LaMelo is... Hey. <sighs> No, you, ain't mean, gotta the, you ain't got to note. You ain't got to note the self. This shit's recorded, right? right? You can we refer go, to this anytime yeah, you want we to. We gonna reference this. We, we gonna reference this. Thing. Yeah, it's, the one hour you, and two minute mark. We gonna reference that statement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, I stand behind it. And I you know what? If I'm wrong, you gonna hear me. You gonna hear me tell stand up, my chest out, and tell everybody I'm wrong. I ain't gonna be like these Sam Darnold dudes that want to act like it wasn't him. Like <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, trust me, I can't wait for I can't wait for Kay Cunningham to be a rocket. Don't worry. 
Oh, oh yeah. that's where you go. Hey, if you're rocking, John Wall got to go. John Wall <laughs> yeah, gotta oh, go. John Wall already got to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Nick, let's, you've been you've been looking at mock drafts. You watched a little college basketball. Uh, to prevent this from getting too long, because I know we're gonna, it's pretty early in this. Um, just give me your top three sleepers in this draft. And when I say sleeper, I mean you think they're gonna go 15 or later. Ooh, so I think this is around 15, but it's close. Oh, no. So we talked about this guy earlier. James Book, uh, Book Knight, he, they got him going to the Knicks. How you, you, if that happens, you like that? Well, so first off, I love James Book Knight. So whoever get him, I'm going to like it. I think because of the fact that they have Randall to play through, uh, I think it takes a lot off of of Barrett because I think Barrett is kind of a, just a, a good role player. I don't think he's that dude that you're going to like run through. I think that's a really good fit because they struggle to score sometimes if Randall's not having a good game. And Book Knight will give him that dude that can get buckets. So I think he'd be a great player to kind of come off the bench and uh, – Jordan Clarkson, Manu Ginobili kind of way towards it's like, hey, starters are going to do their thing. I'm going to come in the game, and I'm going to come in here to to fill it up. So like a Lou Williams, like a more athletic Lou Williams type, like I think that's a really actually a good fit. And so I know this is your top three sleepers, but you said James Booknight, and I got excited because that's, that's my guy right there. So I'm going to let you go back and tell me your other two. But you asked me how I feel, and I, I love James Booknight. That's my guy. All right. Well, like you said, you said around 15 or deeper. I'm going to go a little bit above 15 at 13, but they asked Davion Mitchell to the Warriors. He was, you know, a big, had a big tournament, played very well. We all know what he can do on the defensive end. I like his, you know, he's weird because he's got the 45 and he's got Mitchell, but they're not related. So that's weird. But (laughs) what what, what what about that for you guys? I can can live with that. that. That guy can play. He can defend too very well. Get up and down the floor. Dog. That boy's a dog. So when I watch him, and I, I said this comparison comparison to somebody, and they felt like I was being disrespectful, but I just found out that maybe I'm just old. But I watch him, I see like Lindsey Hunter. Because that dude used to be a bulldog, yeah. and he used to go get you a bucket in, when in his prime, but he could guard, and he'd, he'd guard you 94 feet. So when I said it to somebody, they were like, Lindsey Hunter? And I'm like, no, don't disrespect <laughs> Lindsey Hunter like that. But my, my, my he man can, can get play. Out, he can play. He got but, after like, yeah, yeah. So I, I, he looks like a modern day uh, Lindsey Hunter to me. And like you said, if he does happen to go to Golden State, I think that's a, I think that's a match made in heaven. Give him somebody else who can create their own shot. But then also they always trying to hide Steph anyway. So he's a perfect compliment to Steph because he can go guard whoever you're hiding Steph from, and then let Steph go ahead and cook on the other end of the court. So I think that would be a great fit. But give me, give me your last one, Nick. All right, well, I'm going to stay on the national champs, actually. And I'm going to go with Jared Butler, which has him projected at number 20 to the Atlanta Hawks. And I, watching Butler play, man, I like that dude. He can shoot. He can defend. Like, that's all. Like, it seemed like Baylor was gritty, but they could shoot. And that's just, you never really see that much for a gritty team that likes to lock up on defense. They usually can't shoot. But this team Dogs shoot. that can shoot is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I like him. I, I want to hear what you guys, you know, think about him at the next level. I like, man, just watching the Butler team. And like you said, a lot of guys that can defend can't really shoot, but they can defend and shoot. I like him. I like both of those guys at the next level. And I like those as sleeper picks too. 
15, 16, 17, you know, in those later, later in the first round. But I think those guys would be a steal. Get in a, a, a get on a team that could possibly uh, be playoff bound and be, uh, you know, contending for a title perhaps and be a role player, a key role player, you know, or a big piece to that, that the team, you know, but defending or coming off the bench or knocking down a big three. Yeah, for sure. I When I look at Butler, to me, I think he's severely underrated. I think when I watch him, it's a little different stylistically, but I see Kyle Lowry as far, from an impact standpoint. Whereas a guy who's going to defend, he's going to throw his, he's going to, He's not afraid to get his nose in there and do the dirty work. But he can go get you a bucket. He's a good shooter, and he's steady as she comes. So like, he's not flopping all over the place like Kyle Lowry is, and up, and he's not doing all those kind of things. But I do think, from a style standpoint, I mean, from a how it ends up being at the end of the day, I think that's the kind of impact that Jared Butler can have. So if you can get a guy with the Kyle Lowry type of impact and you get him in the twenties, that's a damn steal. So. I, I like all three of them. I know you asked for three, but I got one more because I, I know this one, you like this player, but I don't think you like the team as much, so I want to see what you think. And that's uh, your boy Chris Duarte. I think I said that right. Ooh. At 30 to the Jazz. So I was going to give you my top three, and that was the first name I was going to say because <laughs> Chris Duarte – is a fucking stud. Like, I'm <laughs> telling you right now, that kid can play. Like, if he goes to the Jazz, I'll be I'll be happy because Dwayne Wade's a part owner now. So <laughs> I'll just I'll just tell myself that this is Dwayne Wade getting something good, and I'll just kind of have to just resign to that because I've never liked the Jazz. I think it's just growing up a Bulls fan and then Stockton <laughs> and Malone and all. Yeah, I, I I don't really mess with the Jazz. But that dude, Chris Duarte, there's no reason. Like, he should be, in my mind, if he got picked at 10, I wouldn't bat an eye. Like, I think he's that good. Like, so you're he's high on him. A 6'5, super high on him. He's a 6'5 point guard, first of all. He led the Pac 12 in steals. He was the Pac 12 player of the year, and we saw how good the Pac 12 was in that tournament. Tough. He can shoot, he's got length. He's athletic. He can assist. Like he, he's a do-it-all guard. And for whatever reason, because he's a little bit older, I think he's going to be, before he plays a game in the NBA, I think he's going to be like either 23 or 24. And I think that's a lot of players, a lot of teams are like, you know, they want their that 19-year-old guy with potential. There's this idea that you can't get any better if you get drafted at 23, and I just don't understand like why why that's a thought process. But... Bro, I love Chris Duarte. Like him and Book Knight, you said two of, of, of my favorites right there. Like those two to me, I don't even need to give you three because I just gave you that's, those are two right there that I would have said. And, so. you know, and, and what I like about Duarte is when I look at his stats, they jump off to me. Like everything is nice. Like I'm going to, this is a tweet from Jonathan uh, Wasserman because I'm going to credit him 45% on catch and shoot three pointers pick and uh, roll ball handler 96 percentile, transition 96 percentile, off screens 90 percentile, defense 3.7 still, 3.3 bot light. Everything he does is just, it's nice. The numbers are nice. They're there. The play is there. You watch him. He controls the game. Like, 
I just like everything I see from him. And especially if he falls to a team like the Jazz that really don't have a point guard, you pretty much have Donovan Mitchell running the point. And he's not a point. He's a two guard. I would love to see him with a legit point guard and actually have Donovan Mitchell be able to do less, have a little bit more energy for the end of games because he's not having to do everything all the time. So I would really like that if they could if they could get somebody of his caliber, especially a big guard too, a big point guard. So now, yeah, if Jonathan Mitchell has to say guard the smaller guard, now you don't you don't have two small guards in your backcourt. You can you're always flexible now, basically. Exactly. Uh, so I guess I'll just give you one more sleeper since, like I said, I already drooled all over James Booknight and and Chris Duarte. Uh, so. A guy that I'm really high on that we don't hear anything about is uh, Charles Bassey. He's a big man out of Western Kentucky. He was a five-star recruit. For some reason, picked Western Kentucky, so somebody paid him. That's all I know, but that's neither here nor there. Um, he's got a, he's a good rim protector. He runs the court very well. He's working on his shot. He's not a good shooter yet, but you can see it, and you can see potential to be a – maybe a 30, 35% three-point shooter. Um, he'll probably be a guy that learns to shoot that cor- corner three because you know, there's a lot of players that can't hit it from top of the key, but if I can hit it from the corner, that's all I need. Still count, still worth three. Um, but he's an elite athlete. Like he, he blocks shots. He runs the court. He's a solid 6'11", and he's a big man, so he can, he can guard. Um, well, you can put him in front of your Joel Embiid's. He's not guarding him because nobody's guarding Joel Embiid. But from a size standpoint, he's not like a bad matchup there. Essentially, to me, he is very similar to Kai Jones in the fact that he's that he runs the court well. He's a big and can has a has a good jumper. Now, the difference with Kai Jones is Kai Jones can probably guard a two or three, whereas Bassey you're guarding five and four. But we're looking at you're getting that a guy like Bassey in the second round, maybe mid second round, not even early second round. And I think he's a kid that's going to stick in the league for 10, 15 years because he's going to have a, a role that every team needs. So if he messes around and learns how to shoot, like it's going to be, it's going to be a problem. He's going to be a starting NBA center and he's going to, anytime you can get a starter starter in the second round, like that's a hell of a pick. So well, that's my that's guy. Good because they, I see, as you know, as you were talking, I was looking at them. They haven't projected going to the net, so I like that for them because they definitely need a center of that caliber. So, yeah, if that's absolutely. what they can scoop up in, you know, the round that you're talking about, second round, that's not a bad pick, obviously. Yeah, uh, another guy that I like that it's weird because if we would had this conversation a month before the tournament, he wouldn't be a sleeper. But now, thanks to Shaka Smart, Greg Brown is looking at like the back half of the first of the first round and. He was a top five pick all year. Like if you look check the big boards all year, he was top five, top ten, and then he just kind of fell off the board. And I, I mean, if it were up to me, I'm not going back on your guy too much. But I'm taking Greg Brown over Kai Jones. That's just that's personally where I'm at. So if you're going to get a guy that's at least comparable to someone that you're going to pick top ten, or somebody's going to pick top ten, and you're going to get him at twenty five thirty, like that's a hell of a that's a hell of a deal. So. That's the next guy that I would say, like, if I'm a team, really, in this draft, if you don't have picks one through five, I'll extend it to five because a lot of people love Kaminga. I'm not quite sold on him, but I'm, we'll just, we'll, five is a round number. We'll say five. 
Yeah. If you don't have one through five, I don't want to pick till 18. Like, I don't want yeah. the middle. Like, I don't really yeah. want what's in there. I think there's a lot of fool's gold in there, Kai Jones included. So <laughs> I don't really. But I think on the back end, if you get to like 18 to 30, or even in the second round, I think this draft is super deep. So if I'm a team that isn't ready, I probably trade my pick and try to get a whole bunch of second round picks for this draft because I think you can get a lot of value in the second round. And I think that's I think this draft is probably the deepest draft I've seen in maybe 10, 15 years. Like it's a super deep draft. There's going to be players that don't get drafted that are going to be impact players in the NBA. When I say impact, I mean like a role player. I don't mean like like a star like like Fred Van Vliet is not what what we're expecting out of this, but guys that are going to be in the NBA and stick in the NBA. That's going to happen in this draft. There's going to be undrafted players like that because there's only 60 picks, and I think there's more than 60 NBA players in this draft. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. I I agree with the Greg Brown, too. If you can get him that low and you think he's comparable to somebody that high in the draft, then you definitely get him still. And uh, I definitely think his uh, growth or draft potential definitely was stunted more. I'll say more by the coach and not by him, honestly. Being a Texas fan and watching a lot of the games and seeing the potential that is there, you know, in him and that he was highly talented by a lot of guys that, you know, I trust their opinions, too. And just watching it, I it was the wrong system. Like he should have been somewhere that would have shown his talents more. And he, you know, it happens. But hopefully, you know, he'll be a surprise pick and somebody will hit uh, late. Yeah, and I I got a. One more thing before we, we, we transition a little bit. but So I have this theory and this strategy that I think more teams should do. And it looks like actually the Timberwolves seem to be picking up on it, which is interesting because they're usually not good at drafting. But there's a lot of kids that are like five stars or like top 10, top 20 players coming out of high school that for whatever reason don't pan out in college. And then they end up not even being on really teams' radar for the draft always take that kid in the second round because more than likely if he was that highly touted he was good at something maybe not he didn't maybe he didn't have the complete game and that's why he didn't do what he was supposed to do in college but he was good at something and with how the nba has become specialized if you can get him to do the one thing that he was good at that got him to be a five star you can get him late second round and now you have a high quality role player that you basically got for nothing because people just kind of wrote him off as a bus. And now you on the come up. Like, so right now the Timberwolves have Jared Vanderbilt, who's a high energy four. He's going to get you rebounds. He's going to play good defense. He's not going to do anything crazy or, or, or out of this world, but he's a role player on your team that you got for peanuts. And then they have Jalen McDaniel, who's a guy at Washington that was supposed to be the next Durant. He's not that, obviously, but he's starting for them right now in his rookie season, and I think they got him either really late first or early second round. And so they got a starter out of the draft that nobody wanted because he was that five-star kid, and they put him in a role. They looked at, okay, what were you good at in high school? That's all we want you to do here. We don't want you to do shit else. Just do that. We got Carl Anthony Towns. We don't need you to do scoring. We don't need you to do – we got Anthony Edwards. We had the first pick in the draft too. We don't need you to do that. We just need you to be really good at what you're really good at. And I think that's a strategy that more teams should look at and find these kids that have a lot of talent and just let them be great at that one thing. I, you know what? I wholeheartedly agree with you. 
I watched a lot of the G League games this year, you know, a lot, and, and I watched some of those kids that, you know, decided to skip school and go to the G League. They got the little new little thing. Um, you're right. I think some of those kids, some of their games will transition over into the NBA, right? But some of them, some of them won't. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> now, so this, it, it, it comes back to a conversation that we had when we were talking about the G League, and we were talking about Dacian Nix yeah. because he's an Alaska guy, yeah. and my man Nick just wasn't sold on him. And I'm not going to lie to you. My eyes tell me that it ain't it. But I just, I, he's an Alaska kid, and I just, I just want him to be good. Oh, you got, I, I got the jersey. I got the jersey. No, 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 no. Hold, hold, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold I got on, the jersey. On. You were playing that for was not, time? That was not me saying that I thought he was going to be this great player. Nah. He, My comp was Andre Miller. That was his, that was his, the high end comp for him. I wasn't that's sitting here saying, comparison. like, that was. That's a great comparison. That was Miranda who was telling you that he was going to be CP3. No, that shit never came out no. of my mouth. Andre Miller that is never a great came comparison. out. So don't, don't put this on. Don't you put this evil on me. I did not say that. No, so, yeah. I, I, the, the eye test has never popped for me. Like, I watched enough games. And even, like, I'm looking at this mock draft now. They got him, like, 58 to the Knicks, which, I mean, is not, it's not it. So, I mean. It is what it is. Get some but, NBA checks. He's an Alaska kid. Get some NBA checks. Yeah, get, I mean, get your, get your money, man. I'm never going, you know, tell nobody not to get their money, but I just don't. I um, didn't see it. I didn't. I just, I just didn't see it. I didn't, it didn't jump off the board. But that was a great comparison, Andre Miller. That was a great comparison. He's another one of those guys, Hall of Famer, no Hall of Famer, had a great career, but no, uh, <laughs> you know, had what a mean? fifty point game though, no. If I said Steve Nash can't get in, Andre then I can't, can't sit here with him. <laughs> <laughs> Andre Miller get in. I'm like, come on now. now oh, I can't yeah. do that. I'll lose all kinds of credibility. If, I... if we're doing this. Very good comparison. Yeah, we bought think... Yeah. I... Yeah, that's a kid that I, I really hope maybe he gets in the – I think he really just needs to dedicate to getting in the gym and, and, and reshaping his body. I think it's his best chance to really kind of stick in the league is to just really just – Kind of just live in the weight that, room. Yeah, that my I guess that was my also my whole thing was is especially at that position of point guard, like just yeah, who he guard going up yeah, who, against that's every night are gonna be elite like after every night in the NBA, you're about to get your like, you're the, about to get it. Like the most you. unathletic guard you're probably gonna see is gonna be Chris Paul, who can still go catch an oop and all stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> but Chris but Chris okay. CP three still got bink too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that's not a matchup. Dacian Knicks wants right now. No, so every- hopefully he he finds a way in the league and he finds a way to stick. I ain't gonna bash my man too much. There ain't, there ain't too many of us out here doing exactly. their thing. So exactly. Shouts out to Dacian. Hopefully, hopefully it works out for him. If I'm being one hundred, I don't particularly see it, but I'll be I'll be rooting. That's for sure. Yeah, so, it's just uh, tough position to play in the NBA, man. Tough position. Yes, yeah, they that's, got a whole a bunch one. of dogs that can give it to you every single night. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's transition to a draft that did happen. Uh, we had the WNBA draft. Uh, I believe Charlie Collier went number one to the Wings. They had the, fir- the number one pick and the number two pick. Um, really, what I really want to dive into with this, um, congratulations to all the ladies that got drafted, but one thing that I noticed is that some of the star power in this draft was missing. Um, like, for instance, uh, Paige uh, what's it? Beckers, yeah, Bukers, Bukers. Um, Caitlin Clark, mm-hmm. and yeah, 
Um, and so I started looking at it. And I'm like, I wonder why these women don't go pro. Because I kind of always assumed it was just because they out here making the same money I make. But then I was like, you know, they get endorsements and all kinds of stuff. Why don't go pro? So we, uh, we were talking to Nick off air. And we looked up the rule. And they can't go pro until either they graduate, uh, exhaust all their eligibility, or they turn 22. Like, why the hell do we still have this antiquated rule in women's college basketball, and why are we okay with it? Like, when I say we, I mean as a society. society. Like, nobody's... Well, I, I can kind of tell you why it's happening, why the NCAA and why the WNBA have fostered this um, <clears throat> this janky-ass rule, if you ask me. Because um, if the guys can be one and done, the girls should be able to be one and done. But here's the deal. I think that they're doing this because the game, the women's game in college, is much more profitable right now than it is at the NBA, WNBA level. <clears throat> it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. I think it sucks that the girls can't go one and – I want to see Paige Buchers. I want to see her – and the Clark. I want to see her get out there on the court and get busy. I want to see that. Let me, let me see that, you know. I want to see if their game can equate to the NBA with the dogs that's on the court in the WNBA. Let me, let me see that. You feel me? Can you get out there and can you, can you get busy? But here's the thing. We all know, we all know if you, you know, the revenue that is generated in women's basketball is at its highest in college basketball. That's just what it is. Right. But this, but this rule stunts the WNBA. I think it's because if Paige goes out after freshman year. Now at, now it does, but potentially in the future, it could open up you, larger streams of revenue. But you gotta. I think gotta after a while, honestly, though. You gotta understand people's attention span, though. It's that big. Like, Paige Beckers is a hot story right now. Yeah. Her sophomore, junior, senior year, people are gonna be like, "Okay, I've seen her play. Like I've seen that." And especially so, especially with the women's game being, it comes off the NC. It's not like the men's where. They just ended, and the draft isn't for a long ass time. Like the NBA yeah. season is still gonna, it's not even, you know, almost close to done. Still got the playoffs and whatnot, and then the draft finally rolls around. The WNBA it comes basically right off of the NCAA right. tournament. Like you got to strike while the iron's hot. Like Paige Becker should be coming out right now. She should be plastered everywhere. Like you just watched her dominate. Ari McDonald, well, she came out. She was able to come out anyway. But yeah. You Paige Beckers, she would be coming off of that NCAA tournament, going right into the WNBA off of that, kind of like Carmelo style, but even closer yeah. of a gap. But they don't do that, and I don't get it. I for a WNBA standpoint, and I saw something or heard something the other day, and I don't remember exactly who said it, but the WNBA doesn't have a W the WNBA doesn't have a really high turnover rate. Like out of all these girls drafted, only about I want to say something less than twenty are actually in the league. Like. They just don't turn over players, and that might be a bad thing. I think they might be holding on to some players that they need to be letting go or they need to ex- expand and have more teams so you're not having, you know, just this many players making, you know, the league. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> the problem is, is that they don't have enough teams because, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't know exactly how many they have, but at the end of the day, there's just not that many roster spots. So all these girls are coming out, and it's like, okay, I'm still here. You know what I mean? Like, and then I think I think honestly both of them is the problem. I think a lot of times in WNBA, if you've been there a long time, that like in the NBA, like being old 
is a bad thing, right? <laughs> like, if you ain't like LeBron or that dude or or basically a, a player coach like a Jared Dudley, like, he ain't there to play. Mm-hmm. He's there to coach. Yeah. So if, if you ain't that dude, then your ass is out of there if you old. But, like, I think the WNBA really covets and values the veteran leadership ed aspect of it. And so some of these young players just can't make the roster because they really covet that. And honestly, I think they just got to be more cutthroat. And it's like, okay, we're not building for our future if we're holding on to veteran leadership. Veteran leadership eventually is going is not effective on the court. So we need to get this girl that has an opportunity to become something. Um, but back to your original point, like Ari McDonald is a great example. Like the reason why she is going to bring kind of some eyes to the WNBA is because we didn't know who she was. She had a great tournament and now she's going pro. So people are going to be interested in that transition. But by the time Paige Beckers graduates, a lot of people that were on the fence are going to be over the Paige Beckers story. Like Brianna Stewart was the same girl when she was a freshman. Yeah. Like she was out here she smacking everybody, but, and she got to the league and she's still killing but the momentum from her freshman season is gone like yeah. we just anybody who's a women's college basketball fan or women's basketball fan in general knows brianna stewart but the people whose interests were peaked because they saw her as young or who's this freshman kid and then she's a sophomore they didn't come back you know what i mean they may have came back if they were like okay so now i saw her dominate college as a freshman can she dominate the WNBA as a 19 year old kid like, that's interest, but we know if she's going to go for four years, yeah, she's going to dominate for four years. I know that. I've seen her do it as a freshman. Why the hell wouldn't she do it as a sophomore? So I think that really is part of what's – I mean, there's a lot of things that stump the WNBA, number one being misogyny. But yep. on its own, like, that doesn't help either because we're having this potential story, like you said, this Carmelo story that could happen. Or, I mean, if you think about the most – famous players in the NBA. They all came straight out of high school or one year in college and done. Like that's or Europe. You know what I mean? Like basically they exploded onto the scene and then were hooked at that point in time. Whereas you don't get to have that in women's because you've already seen it for four years. And then for your casual women's basketball fan, it's just not as interesting anymore. Like they're they're over it. The Titus man ain't there. Yeah, the WNBA and the NCAA need to find a transition for um, the young players going to the WNBA, but in a sense of um, how can they help with marketing dollars? You know what I mean? Because the NCAA is killing with women's basketball and the marketing dollars aren't necessarily the same or the, you know what I mean? For like, for the game in itself, not necessarily the players, but for the game, you know what I mean? So if the NCAA can work with the WNBA and create some type of transition um, of power, in a sense, or finances, in a sense, to help create, uh, you know, a marketable, um, a marketable uh, uh, product, because it's marketable. But are they? I was I seen Paige Beckers on the TV constantly, right? Constantly. She's not getting none of those dollars. The WNBA ain't getting none of those dollars. They ain't getting none of that promo. NCAA is, you know? So they need to, the WNBA needs to get with the NCAA and figure out a transition. Yeah, I mean, 
ultimately the rule as far as not letting these girls into the league is a WNBA rule. The NCAA obviously is profiting off of that, but the WNBA yeah. needs to find a way it's to move thing. that rule. Because, I mean, rule, when you think yeah. about college basketball yeah. for women's is kind of preying on the fact that there's school pride involved. So these same people that probably disrespect women's basketball when it comes to a professional level are more inclined to root because they're wearing the the jersey of their alma mater. So they kind of they're able to use that to create more intrigue for for people that are a little more well let's just put it this is disrespectful towards women's basketball and have a kind of a just a real chauvinist viewpoint of it. Um, but at the end of the day, they're repping Stanford and I went to school at Stanford. So I'm supporting Stanford versus really supporting women's basketball. And then when they go to the WNBA, I didn't go to the Phoenix Mercury. So at that point, you they, they lose interest. So I think the best way for WNBA to capitalize on that is just let them go as freshmen to where that storyline gets to just continue. Like that's, to me, their only way that they can really take momentum that they're getting from kind of an outside source and capture it and bottle it so that yep. some more people view them. So, and yeah, you got, I think you got anything else, letting, Nick? I think letting them go after one year isn't going to hurt anything. To me, you're you're not going to have that many girls jump oh, it's gonna hurt you. The, like, let's, it's going to hurt the NCAA, and that's why they don't. I mean, not honestly, not really. I don't think you're going to have that many. Like, if they would have let them this year, there would have been, what, maybe two? Like, freshmen, maybe a couple more undergrads. Like, not that many. Like they're gonna, yeah, I think that's true. So to me, it's not gonna hurt if they opened it up. Like, and the dollars aren't big enough for people to just jump. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the NBA to where you're gonna make millions off the bat if you get if somebody's telling you to go and you can go, you're gonna make millions. It's not gonna be that for the WNBA. So it's like, yo, I mean, I might as well stick around and get this college degree anyway. It's probably, gonna, I mean, depending, most likely you're gonna make more, honestly. So I just think. For the ones who are elite, like Paige Beckers, and uh, I can't think of the girl's name from Iowa off the top of my head. Caitlin Clark. Okay, yeah. Caitlin Clark. I think they should be able to go and, you know, and if not, not stick around for two, three, whatever years. But as soon as they're ready, let them go. Not having to stay for the full four or get your college degree or be 22 years old. So I think it is hurting the WNBA's uh, product for the standpoint of just not being able to strike while the iron's hot because their draft is so close to the end of of the women's uh, season for the NCAA. So I think that hurts them, but I don't know how soon their uh, collective bargaining agreement comes back around for them to maybe look at that. Or even if they want to look at that, I'm not sure I haven't heard anything on that front from the WNBA side. So obviously they like it from this point. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Okay. Well, that's our show. I appreciate you being with us, Mike. Uh, yeah. Let the people know where to find you. So go ahead and uh, let them know Man, where to find if the you album. Would, uh, if you would like to look for my album, it's titled Black Polar Bear, B-L-A-C-C. Polar Bear is on all streaming platforms, Apple Music, Tidal, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Starbucks, S-T-A-R-B-U-K-S 907. If you'd like to follow me on Snapchat, it's Mr. Coffee, C-O-F-E-Y. Um, also, every Friday night from 10 p.m. to midnight, I host a radio show called Off the Drip. Um, you can tune in at 90.9 FM if you're local. And if you want to stream us live, it's kwrk.org. 
we interview people um, from artists or entertainers and people part of the culture. Uh, we play local and regional music and national music. We're building a platform for hip hop out here in the state of Alaska from Fairbanks. So I also want to make sure I extend the olive branch to both of you fellas. Um, as soon as you guys are ready, I'd like to have you on the show, interview you, and talk about your podcast and, and, and try to open you up to a, um, a larger demographic and fan base because I definitely think that what you guys got going here is legit. So thank you for your time and thank you for having me. And once again, Black Polar Bear out right now, B-L-A-C-C, Polar Bear on all streaming platforms. And I'm out. All right. I appreciate you. You guys be safe. We'll talk to you next week about some uh, NFL draft. So you guys have oh, yeah. a good one. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.